So something we love to do at Holy Trinity when we're meditating on the scriptures together uh, is to draw something. Because some of us, it's hard to concentrate without having something to do with our hands or something to think about. Uh, So the thing I'd love you to draw today, you could perhaps draw that parable and you could draw people who don't seem very interested in loving but look very holy and people who are a bit kind of dodgy. don't know how you draw a dodgy looking person, uh, but who is still loving. And then I'd love you perhaps to draw... Jesus in his most ordinary, and then, this is really challenging, okay, I'm I'm asking you to draw the Trinity, which is basically impossible, but I'm going to try, okay, so draw Jesus, and then you can draw sort of light or something at the top with some words saying, you're my son, and then draw a dove resting on Jesus, and if you like, you can draw him standing in the Jordan or something, okay, so there's a challenge, that actually is the best picture we have of the Trinity, Uh, But let's pray for the rest of us as we meditate on this. Let's pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, please, would you send your spirit so we can see you in the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name. Amen. Uh, So perhaps if any of us is feeling trepidation, uh, this video might help us. that capture any of your anxieties about this? That's often what people think when we come to this Sunday. Uh, Hopefully all of us can feel on the same page this morning, like not like everyone else knows what's going on and I'm just wondering. Uh, Most of us probably have one of those three in our minds when we speak about God or we pray. Some of us will really get that God is our father and know what praying to him is like. Some of us will see how deeply Jesus loved And how beautifully he taught. I just want to hang around with him all the time. Others will be really excited by all the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. And what it's like to know his joy in our hearts. Each of us will know all of those at some point. But bring it all together. Oh, isn't that just confusing? There are whole religions that have sprung up specifically to say we're better off without all that sort of thing. That is the reason Islam exists, the most ancient Islamic inscription on uh, the dome in Jerusalem is God is one and Muhammad is his prophet, meaning not three, meaning not like all you Christians. That's the reason there are Unitarians. That's the reason there are Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, loads of other things down the ages. And in the church that John is writing to in our letter, 
Some of that is beginning to happen. A bunch of people have come to this church and said, you know that Trinity thing you don't really understand? Well, you could do without it. You don't really need to worry about that. God is much too spiritual and spooky to have walked around or died. And God's much too high above us to mess around with the likes of us, to live inside us. So whatever Jesus and the Spirit are, they're not really God. So just focus on the one up there. Well, John deals with that false teaching about God by showing us him again as he is. And he shows us how everything good in our whole human experience flows from God being like this, from God being Trinity. So verse seven and eight, here's the headline. I'll read it out and sort of summarise it as a headline. Dear friends, let's continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Everything good about knowing God in the world is summed up by the fact that those who do know God love each other. Love, the way Christians do it, can only come from the real God. The reason that love comes from God is because he is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if we want to understand what it means for him to be Trinity, we can look at our experience, our love, our relating in the church. So first up, Father, Son, and Spirit mean we can see and know God. Father, Son, and Spirit mean we can see and know God. Uh, So I haven't actually asked Elijah about this because when I mentioned this before, he was very much younger. Um, When you were two, Elijah, you discovered one of the hardest things about being a Christian. You may not remember, literally two. He asked, Daddy, where is God? That's what you asked. Because we can't see him, can we? And we particularly can't see him in his entirety. Each of us will have moments where we think, oh, that was probably him doing something. Or perhaps we've heard a voice and thought, yep, that was definitely him speaking to me. Or we've seen something the Holy Spirit has done in someone else. But it's not like seeing a human. It's not like, okay, that chair is there. I can see that chair. Like, we we don't see God like that. The only way we think we could see God like that is if we happened to be in Palestine at that tiny window and saw Jesus walking around. And a lot of people who saw him missed him. They didn't think they were seeing God. They thought they were just seeing a regular guy. Well, there is a reason for that. Verse 12 to 14. Just follow with me. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we've seen him with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the saviour of the world. There are two things here that mean we can see and know God, even though no one has ever seen him. Two things. God has given us his spirit 
And the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. We can see and know this. John saw Jesus and he testifies to us through this book that Jesus is the Saviour the Father sent into the world. We're not dealing with clues from a mystery deity up there, scattering things for us to kind of piece it together ourselves. What we understand as we read this book, as the apostles speak to us down the centuries, what we experience when we're Christians with the Holy Spirit living in us, that is seeing and knowing God for real. God being Trinity means that though he is up there, beyond our experience in heaven, the Son and the Spirit enable us to know him. I wonder if any of you have been tempted to see how a computer works by smashing it to bits. Have you ever done that? Why are you not working? And then you see like the the chips and the circuit boards. All right, I can see how it works now. (laughs) You can't really, can you? That is what other religions try and do with God. They try and find a box to trap him in so they can do experiments to work him out. And John says that's never going to happen. God the Father shows us Jesus as a sort of computer screen. And the spirit is the microphone and the speakers and the keyboard. We learn everything about God through Jesus. And we experience that in our lives rather than just learning through the Holy Spirit. That is who God has always been. Jesus has always been the window into who God is. And the spirit has always been the key to open Jesus up to us. If we try and bypass Jesus as like nice, but basically in history or just a man, we we can't get to the Father. If we try and bypass the Holy Spirit saying, I can work this out on my own. We've heard what happens, don't we? The Lord frustrates the wise and the clever. He reveals himself to little children. We'll never be sure about God if we try and get to him ourselves without the saviour, Jesus and the spirit he sends for us to know him. But we, can't, we don't just see and know God some of the time. We can actually hope with certainty. That's the next bit. Father, Son and Spirit mean we can see and know God. But once we've seen and known God, we can hope for the future with absolute certainty. Because... I don't know, people, I discovered this the other day, uh, Barry uh, Fee Chapman's dad, who works in the Saints, amazing beard, former sailor, or Nicky Sparks, who's on a boat somewhere now, or, or John, when he was, I don't know, in a storm in a submarine. Sorry, am I, am I allowed to say you were in a submarine? Okay, that's, that, right, that's not classified. Okay, we're okay. Um, you know, people say they see God in those terrifying moments, but they're, they're utterly terrified of what they're seeing. It's not a nice thing to see God, is it? Generally... You know, put the fear of God in me. That's a phrase, isn't it, that we have. Again, wanting to pray with compassion for our Muslim friends. 
The best hope a Muslim ever gets with Allah is that he might be merciful. There is no way humans can be sure that a God who's infinitely above them and has created them will be kind to them or want them to carry on living. In fact, a lot of people look at the world we're living in, see all the pain and the suffering and start to think that if God exists, he must hate us. That is what a lot of people think. But not with this God, not with the real God, this unique Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So follow verse 15 with me. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we've put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we won't be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not fully experienced his perfect love. So there is everyone who declares Jesus is the son of God, like we just did if we said the creed. Well, we have God the Spirit living in us and we live in God. If we trust in Jesus, God lives in us. And here's the crucial thing. The love the Father has for Jesus. Everyone knows God must love Jesus. Everyone acknowledged that. Well, God the Father loves us the same way he loves him. So yeah, if we try and relate to God apart from Jesus, we're in trouble. Fear of God, terror, you know, maybe he'll be merciful, but probably not. We'll interpret all that suffering and think, well, he must be really angry with us. But when we're in Jesus, we see, no, even Jesus suffered on the cross. That didn't mean God didn't love him. It meant God was teaching him and preparing him for something better. Because the father has always loved his son and sent him in the world to save people so that they can become like him. And so... We can be brought up into God. We're as close to God as he is. The father can't hate us any more than he can hate his son. I'm most tempted to doubt that God loves me when I start trying to see myself separate from Jesus. He is our way into God. If we're in him, we can be confident. That fear that each of us attempted towards will be driven out of us as we're drawn closer to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So we can see and know God. We can hope with certainty. And finally, we can love with sincerity if we know Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That's the last three verses. So we're talking about love now. You, you thought we'd get there. God is love, all that kind of stuff. And we might have a nagging voice in our heads here. Hang on, my friends and family who don't know Jesus, they, they do love. You don't have to believe this stuff to love, surely, do you? Christians don't have a monopoly on love. Well, it depends what kind of love we're talking about. Because all those people who have been very loving to us and for whom we celebrate who, who don't know Jesus, 
a lot of people who do know Jesus, we have a hard time working out what love is by ourselves. So most of us would have some idea that it's putting others first, but we all have our limits with that. How does love work for someone who hates us, who won't receive our love? How does love work when we can't love them anymore because they're not there? How do we get the energy to keep loving when we're tired or frustrated? You know that time where we say, oh, I didn't mean it because we were tired or we were frustrated. Actually, that's often the time we really do say what we mean, isn't it? We can't think we're loving when everything's great and we're well fed and we're well slept and no one's annoying us. We have to see we're loving when someone cuts us up and we go, oh, and in that moment, we're not loving them at all, are we? People who know us best know how unloving we can be, particularly to the people we should be loving the most. Wherever we look, the difficulties all of us have with love flow from how we relate to the God who is love. Have you ever played Telephone Pictionary? Have you ever played that game? I commend it to you. You have to write the weirdest scenario you can possibly imagine You know, like Darth Vader shearing a sheep or something. You know, something like that. And then someone has to draw that. And then you pass it on and someone has to write down what you've drawn. And so on and so forth. And you end up in some very weird places. Like the weirder you start with the stuff you've got, the weirder the final explanation at the end is going to be. It's sort of like Chinese Whispers Pictionary. And that game is a bit like how humans have been loving since Adam decided he didn't need God to love. So we sort of remember what it looks like from when we used to know God, who is love. But it keeps getting messed up the further away we are from him. So verse 9 to 11, God sends Jesus to die for us and gives anyone who trusts in him his spirit. And that's how we know what love really is. Verse 9 to 11, this is going back a bit. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. See, God has always loved like that. He's always loved Jesus like that. Jesus has always loved his father like that. The spirit is always given to the father and the son like this. But we were cut off from it all when we tried to work it out ourselves. So Jesus comes into the world and shows us as a human what the love of God really is like by dying for us, as we'll remember in this meal in a moment. It's like in the telephone pictionary game that we actually know what the person who first wrote that sentence was thinking of without any of those intermediate steps. We don't have to copy some distant memory. We're always filled up by the Holy Spirit with the one who's always loved. The more we go into him, the more our love will be real, like the love that Jesus has shown us. When we know God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, we're connected with the love that created the universe and our own souls. The closer we're drawn into them, the more loving we will be towards each other. And it's a work in progress. You may have met a lot of Christians who are not very far along in that journey. The point is not where we are now, 
The point is what the direction is. So we don't need to work out this stuff. Because God is like that, even if we don't understand, we can see and know God in a way no other human could because we're in Jesus. We can hope for the future because Jesus' righteousness clothes us when we come to the God we can't see and would otherwise be terrified by. We can love in actuality because we don't have to make it up. We've seen God do it and he teaches us by his spirit to do the same. So let's pray.